to another edition of Meet Me Unusual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopton, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock from Redbird, Redbird, and A Medlock1 on Twitter. It's um, It's been a quiet week for baseball. Maybe not so much quiet week overall, but we're not going to get in. Uh, this is uh, I'm going to try to make this sure that uh, this is a politics-free zone uh, for everybody, so that if you're anxious or worried or really worked up about this thing listen to it, you put it away for however long the show goes um but it's been a very quiet week for the cardinals it's not surprising it's probably gonna be a quiet few months for the cardinals um but alan i guess the the only news that there really was was that the cardinals added two gold gloves to their total <laughs> even as one of the guys that they won the gold glove no longer there um but it was still nice to see uh, Colton Wong and Tyler O'Neill both get a go glove. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was uh, it was awesome. There there was the, the you're right. It was a little bit of the salt uh, salt in the wound a little bit with Wong, but you could see that one coming. And there was some uh, you know there was some you know I, I was excited for uh, um, for O'Neill. You know just because I mean I felt like the signs were pointing to that happening in any way when you found out that they were completely going off the numbers that how it was going to happen and. And, uh, it, it's funny, you know, you and I were kind of talking about it, how this kind of flipped the narrative a little bit. Do you guys, I mean, do you remember when Bader was supposedly this gold glove center fielder with 25 home run potential? (laughs) And now that's, you know, O'Neill's basically halfway there, you know, in, in left field. So I think that it probably says a lot about uh, what direction I feel like they'll probably go in the off season. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was glad for him. I love to get the gold gloves. I know the award doesn't mean what it used to, but I still, that's one of the, uh, that's one of the awards. It's tough for me to, to let go or to uh, degrade a little mm-hmm. bit. Sure. Sure. I mean, and I mean, it's, I think most Cardinal fans should feel that way. Look, the Cardinals have 91. Um, that's what they were noted as. Technically, I think I may be wrong. I mean, maybe that's just a, a an article. Alex Christopher and I talked about this one point in time that the Cardinals have. I, I read Cardinals have half a gold glove um, because they kind of traded uh, Keith Hernandez in the middle of a gold glove yeah. season. Now that may have been, this was a line from George Will in his book Minute Work from back in uh, I think it was ninety. I think it's when that book came out. Um, it may have been a rhetorical flourish and not an actual thing, but I've always had that in my head that the Cardinals had, you know, X point five <laughs> of gloves. So maybe they have 90 and a half and it rounded up. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> but it's more than likely it, it just, uh, that's, uh, the official total doesn't count that, but 
you know, but 91 Go Gloves uh, in their history. I mean, we grew up, most of us, a lot of us grew up, you know, with Ozzy Smith, who was winning gold gloves all the time. And honestly, was one of the highlights of some low, some low years for the Cardinals was, you know, especially the, in the early nineties. Um, even if you're after that, you've got Edmonds and Roland who were, were gold glove types that were really, you know, important. So yeah, I think gold gloves probably, you know, again, you're right. There's that bias, especially when the voting is on them. And it's um, interesting that they've kind of shifted away from a, a pure voting. Cause even, I think even the last few years, it's been vote plus metrics, I think, of some sort. Um, so there's still there's there's bias involved in stuff like that for the most part. But it's still it's it's kind of nice. It's kind of an important thing, and uh, it's glad to see the Cardinals add a couple of those. They surely didn't add any silver sluggers to their mix this this week. Um, I didn't even look at that list, um, but. Um, it's cool to, to have a couple of gloves. You think Tyler O'Neill would have won if it had been a traditional look? I mean, that, that there was some input there. Cause I feel like he would have probably been overlooked in general, just partly because of the playing time, partly because of, you know, maybe his offense, probably because of a lot of things. I don't know that people would have thought of him as a gold glove, but you know, obviously the metrics showed that he was. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and I, I wondered about that. I actually kind of looked over the list to think to to see the guys that I fit that I felt fit into that to where that would be questionable. And mm-hmm. you know, a full season probably gets you Molina's name up there for the reasons that you just said. I feel like you probably get Kier Meyer as well, which neither one of those are going to affect any any in affect O'Neill at all. But yeah, I do believe that. I think that in a full season. With all things considered, um, I felt like you're going to look at O'Neill as probably being more of a part-time player. Um, I feel like the Cardinals are going to tell you that they felt like his numbers would be close to what they thought they were going to be if he played full-time. But in theory, he probably would have been a part-time player, you know, in, if we saw, you know, see, considering what we've seen the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those you probably take it and run. I mean, one of the very first things that came out whenever they nominated was this, glo- the, this year is the year that it doesn't mean anything. And I do agree with the fact that, yeah, the the analytical side of this is more based on long-term stuff, not a short season. So if they were ever going to use it, they should have done it in a full season. But I get it. I get. I mean, I get everything that happened with 2020. I mean, I, I completely understand. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like he probably benefited from the shortened season. And I think there's others on the list that did as well. Yeah, and I thought it was very interesting. I think – Colton Wong made the the case best for the fact that people, you know, because it's usually managers and coaches, I think, that vote on the gold gloves. And, you know, as he pointed out, the East Co- the East teams, the West teams, they didn't see the Central teams this year, um, you know. So, and, you know, Central teams didn't see the West, Co- whatever. It was so locked in that it wouldn't have been a fair vote, I think, to some degree, because you just wouldn't have seen players. You'd have had to try to, you know, catch highlights or something like that. And, Heavens knows we had our own issues. I don't know that anybody was going to be trying to check out highlights in in 2020 uh, if, for games that weren't theirs. But um, so yeah, and it's it's very interesting that you know fun that Yadi Molina didn't quite understand that the metrics were the only reason uh, <laughs> complaining about how he didn't get back into the list. Uh, um, the I don't know. I mean, I don't. I can't remember. Did he make the list last year? I know he didn't win. I can't remember if he made the list last year or not. Um, feels like either last year or the year before was a year that he didn't make the 
the nominees uh, for that. And I can't remember which one, but, you know, I think that's just an indication <clears throat> and we see it. I mean, Yodium really is still a force. There's no doubt about it. And teams don't run on him still. Um, his arm is still there, but I think we've seen, um, you know, more balls get past him. Um, I don't know how well his framing rates now. Um, you know, again, still a very good catcher, obviously. And sure. I'm not saying that these are reasons for the Cardinals not to go out and re-sign him, but you know, he's not, he's not at the height of his powers. I mean, he's uh, yeah. 38. He shouldn't be. I, I want Molina back. You know, I know that people that listen to the show on the regular know that I probably don't feel that way because of some things that I'd said before, are they better off without him? I would love to have Molina back because the tradition side of it, but I will tell you as a catcher, it's the intangibles and it's his arm that mm-hmm. keep him where he is. You know, that's and it's not necessarily the, uh, the basic catching skills that a lot of these guys are going to be graded on. Uh, I felt like there was some, there was a little, there's, for lack of a better term, I, there was almost a, uh, a slow step sometimes getting the balls. Mm-hmm. I felt like we saw that a lot. But the way that he just dominates the opposing running game is, is, is what makes him what he is. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I just wonder when that is going to be, if people see through that a little bit now. Uh, with, with amusing metrics – and this, I think, is most notable. I think it's only notable at catcher. Do you think in the past that voters have factored in, you know, play calling and, and things like that intangibles at the catcher position that don't really show up as, you know, I don't know that. I guess it depends on if you treat Gold Glove as the best at the position yeah. defensively. And part of a catcher being defensive, I think, is, you know, calling the game. Yeah, running the show. Yeah, running yeah. the show. And, you know, obviously that's not something you can that, that shows up in any kind of, of measurement. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that that's part of the intangibles that got uh, Yachty the number of Gold Gloves that he did. But, yeah. you know, is, is that a factor, you think? Well, you know what's funny? My dad always called the catcher the quarterback said that's mm-hmm. that's how it worked on the field. And he always said that bench was the best and brought up the exact same things that you just did. And, uh, and you know, that was – I mean, that was baseball back then. I mean, that's all we knew. Right. We didn't have right. the analytical side of it. So I would think that's factored in. Um, and a lot of that, then it turns into reputation. Mm-hmm. And I sure – and I know that people are really going to push back on that. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it's probably a pretty big factor. Um, you know, I, I it's funny because Barnhart's won two of them now. And yeah. – uh, and I've never felt like offensively he was enough, he, he had done enough to win it, but I like him as a player, and it makes sense. I mean, that, I mean, Cincinnati would probably say the same thing about him that we do about Molina somewhat. So you know, I don't know. I, it was funny was to see the pushback from Cincinnati fans whenever uh, Molina made the comment about bench. It wasn't a negative; it was they don't want me to catch him. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati really pushed back, and I was like, "Well, I, I get it, and we'll do the same when someone's close to Molina from here on out." But, uh, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think that it's definitely a factor, especially in some of the old school voters. And I and I think Yachty was wrong in that. I don't. I mean, well, one, he was wrong because there weren't, you know, there were no voters. But I don't know if baseball. I'm trying to decide if baseball has more of a, if, if they were going to temper with this, which I don't think they did, but if they were, um, if they have more of an incentive for bench to stand alone, or if they have more of an incentive for a current player to join the all time greats and especially a player of, you know, 
a, a different ancestry um, that, uh, of an all market that they're trying to reach out to, if, if you will. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think that, I think they would be more likely to, to give Yachty that if they were putting their finger on the scales rather than to take it away. And I know Yachty, <clears throat> excuse me, likes to play with a chip on his shoulder and that's yeah. part of what's made him effective. But besides the fact that again, there were no human elements involved here. I don't know that his argument would stand up as much. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, I agree with that. You know, when we bring up the, chi- the, the chip aspect of it, I mean, a lot of the great athletes do, and you know, basically a lot of the great athletes aren't very easy to get along with. So, yeah. I mean, there's not only this, we're also going to see, uh, um, we'll probably see, you know, some things, ah, a lot of guys post career kind of chill out a little bit, but until we get to that, we're, there's probably going to be times where we cringe on the social <laughs> media posts. And I think you're right though. You're right to say that a lot of these players use that as fuel, but after the, after everything's said and done, then yeah, they can eat up. I mean, we saw it with Bob Gibson, right? Yeah. That's I mean, perfect. That, that's the perfect example. I was just going to yeah. say that. I mean, I'm not saying that Bob Gibson was ever necessarily warm and cuddly, but <laughs> you know, you felt like you could stand in his presence and not be, you know, knocked down. Um, he showed he had a sense of humor and he showed all that stuff that, that I think people watching him at the time never would have thought that just because of how, how fiery he was on the mound. You know, I think we've seen a little bit of that with, I mean, we don't see him as often, but Chris Carpenter, right? Um, when we've seen him in interviews and things after playing, um, he's he's calm and he's well-spoken, but boy, you know, and I guess he was somewhat as a, as a player, but, you know, on the field, you didn't want to mess with, with Carpenter. Um, so s- some are able to, you know, bank that fire to some degree. Um, and the ones that can't are the ones that usually are a tragedy because, you know, there's nothing for them to, to, to compete about. They, they lash out in ways that aren't, aren't good. Um, this is probably a good place to, you know, transition a little bit to the fact that, you know, Sunday night that Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, um, became free agents for the, you know, officially became free agents. Um, there are teams interested in both of them and, you know, again, interest is one thing, money is another. Um, we've talked in the past, especially about how much does a 38-year-old catcher that doesn't have the historical tie to your franchise actually worth to you, especially in a market that's going to be ice cold. You know, there does seem to be enough interest in Yachty that, you know, maybe him leaving will be a financial gain for him. I, I think that you and I have talked about both of those guys maybe coming back just because there's not a market for them, but maybe there's more of a market than we thought. Well, and it's, you kind of look and circle these teams and I kind of, I've kind of looked it over to see who may be interested. Uh, the Larusa, the Larusa tag is, is interesting to me. That was mm-hmm. one that kind of came out of nowhere, but I kind of thought that that's one that you could see happening. Um, just for, for obvious reasons, you know, and the fact that, you know, the pushback is going to be that they have grand all, but he played a lot of games at first. It can DH and you know, that's, we don't know what baseball is going to be next year. And so no. there's a lot of things that could, that could make that transition really, really simple for them to do. You look at the New York teams and those are both teams that I feel like they feel like they're one step away. And New York is one of those to where, the Mets may be looking for guidance because the young pitching has never become what it has become. 
but feel like they have the talent to win. And the Yankees feel like they're the one step away of, you know, they're going to change things up a little bit anyway and do, and, and maybe do this. I feel like that's going to be some interest there too. Um, I've kind of heard, you know, well, I, I would say heard, but I, I mean, I've heard it once that the idea of Wainwright and Molina in Atlanta isn't far-fetched that uh, they may try a package deal like that because they feel like they're close. And then, you know, like you and I have, talk, have, have talked about a thousand times and I've said on here, you have to look out west with Pujols because Moreno will spend stupid money. And that's one of those guys that may drive it up just enough out of the Cardinals market and almost make it possible that and maybe likely that he signs somewhere else. So I do think they're suitors, and I think there's some interesting ones, and ones that kind of make things a little bit scary for someone who wants him to come back. So, so I do think the market's out there, and you know, I I don't think on the catching side of it. I know we kind of made one to segue to the Wainwright side of it. I think that you, there's limited numbers of that, but I still think it's a possibility. Um, what worries me is when you look at the numbers a little bit, and if they're holding firm to what they want to do and improve, it's kind of tough to see them both back. So, so I really, it'll be interesting moving forward on this. And I, I agree with you. There may be suitors, but how interested are some of these groups? Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, you're right about, you know, Anaheim has spending a lot of money, but they've spent a lot of money in the past. And I got to wonder what that bottom line looked like for them this year. I mean, you've got Mike Trout's contract, you've got Albert Pujols' contract, you've got Rendon's contract. I mean, when you don't have, you know, money coming in all of a sudden, of course, granted, billionaires are different breed, or they can be. I don't know that Build a Whip necessarily falls into that category, but uh, you know they can. You know, if they want something, sometimes they go out and get it. But you know, at some point in time, you'd think, okay, man, let's we just got to we got to stay put for a little bit and, and you know get our feet back under us before we go out and give another big contract. But that doesn't mean that they won't. And you know, we've heard besides Yadi, you know Yadier Molina, maybe being interested, we've heard that the. the Angels are also interested in Colton Wong, who, again, isn't going to. I mean, you and I, I think we went back and forth. You know, if Colton Wong gets if Colton Wong gets 10 million, it'd be kind of surprising. I think it's probably more in the seven or eight million dollar range doing this thing. And it may be less. But so that's not necessarily a huge expenditure. But, you know, still, um, when you had all that payroll together out there. Boy, I don't know how they stay afloat sometimes. Yeah, sure. I mean, completely. I mean, and they're second fiddle to the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're an LA team, but they're not in LA. They're in Anaheim. I mean, and that's uh, it's 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 odd how that works. Now, did uh, they may have no not a new stadium coming? They have some rumblings of the stadium. They, no one cares at this point. You know what I mean? When I say yeah, Angels. yeah. But uh, the uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I always feel like he's just not afraid to bring out the checkbook and sure. and on the back end fire people that don't need to be fired. You know, because they, they let go of a ton of people and, you know, it, it, it's a, uh, it's a tough, situ- it's a tough situation for some of those, but I just, I just don't, I never, I don't know if there's a cap for him, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, it's, it's kind of a strange situation out there. They, they, they need pitching. I'm not, I don't have their reference page up or anything like that. So I'm not sure what the rotation looks like, but it does feel like they're trying to, to rebuild. And I wonder how much, um, or retool. And I wonder how much, um, Pujols influence has on that, you know, and, and I'm not sure, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's funny because you want to know the, the break even point that, that you think that Wong could possibly come back. 
Um, you know, you read Derek Gould's mm-hmm. article this week and it sounded like that door is open. You hear the radio report he did out of Hawaii and it does, it sounds like there's some sour grapes a little bit. So I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem very likely to me. I feel like that may be a spot, not necessarily second base, but the, the money spot, maybe somewhere where they try to improve. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know that I will be willing to see that contract because I would assume that Wong's will be in a multi-year. Yeah. I mean, I would think so. You're right. I mean, Derek Gould did have some comments this week, but even, even in Gould's article, as I read it, you know, there was a little bit of that too, that idea that, you know, Hey, if they had come to me and said, we want to renegotiate your contract. Sure. I'd have been great. I mean, I understand it's a business, you know, you had the COVID stuff, you know, I think he would have been open to, okay, I'll take X amount, say 4 million next year. And, you know, we'll add two years to it and we'll, you know, the money will come back to me that way. I think, you know, and again, those are just throwing out numbers, but I think he would have been available to something like that. And the Cardinals didn't do that, which is a little bit surprising to me, honestly. I mean, occasionally the Cardinals front office will do an unforced error. And if they didn't at least negotiate that, I think that is because it's one thing to come to him and say, hey, you know, we want to do this here's our number. And he says, okay, well, I want this. And, and that doesn't work out. Okay. You just can't make the money work, but to not even approach him with this idea, um, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit weird. Um, we also indicate, you know, we also talked about the fact that if the Cardinals just didn't pick up the option, then they obviously must have a feel for the market and know that they couldn't trade him. But if they're not doing a move like that, then that makes me wonder, did they even, did they even try to trade him? Now, maybe they know, you know, you know, feel pretty well about that. But you also start to wonder is like, did they even think about that option? And if you start getting down that road, do you really start to bring the front office's capabilities in question and, and wonder if, you know, what's going on up there? That's, that's a great point. Um, you know, and it was funny. And I, I didn't, when I re- when I read the article, I took that a, a completely different. And that may have been the, just the hope that there was goodwill. But the way mm-hmm. that you put, put it makes a lot of sense that they're like, they never came back to me at all for this, you know, and that, that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that you're right that they have a pretty good read on the market and they feel like um, this was the, the lesser of two evils. I think that I think that they like to have that back pocket money available too. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I think there's a little bit of truth serum that I don't think that you're, I think there's going to be a faction in the front office that would like to see, not like to see, but almost wouldn't be upset to see both Wainwright and Molina gone. Um, not because of they, of who they are, none of that, mm-hmm. right. but because of the expenditure cost in all that concept of it. And that where they could maybe flip that money to do something. I, what you just said to me though, about Wong and your take on that article Makes me wonder if that contract was a slam dunk in a 162 game season. I do wonder if this may have been probably something that that uh, they had planned, regardless when they found out how things were going, or may have had planned to see how the first half of a regular season would have gone. I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder if that was in there in the, in the thought process at all. I don't know. It's a, I feel like they would have picked it up if it had been a normal year. 
Now, you could argue whether they would have tried for an extension, whether they would have tried to keep him in house, or if it would have just been a pickup thing, and then we were having the same conversation a year later. Um, but maybe not. I mean, boy, I think they'd have... They'd have I mean, they're getting enough grief for not picking it up in with all the financial situations that work around it. I don't know how they could have justified not picking it up if it had been a normal year, you know, I mean, cause I mean, with re- actual revenues, you know, I know a lot of people like to throw around the Cardinals for cheap. Um, yeah. Oh, idea. yeah. And, and maybe there's a, you know, they don't necessarily spend their money the same way we would, but I've never found them to be overtly cheap, you know, to yeah. the point of, you know, buying generic and things of that nature. I mean, they, they may spend their money differently and they may not spend it as much as we want them to, but they're not overly cheap. I feel like if they had let Colton Wong go after the, another season, especially a season where in theory, he would have won another gold glove because he did here. And we assume that in a full season, he probably would have and had a, a reasonable offensive year that it, I don't think there's any justification for that except for being cheap. And that's, you know, usually when the Cardinals make a move, there's at least some other justification for it. Sure, sure. And that's and that, that kind of goes into a, a little bit into what we talked about last week, too, of uh, what makes a career Cardinal a career Cardinal or guys right, that, you know. Uh, you know, the guys that we want to keep around. Because I, I felt like Wong was kind of teetering on that anyway. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's a great point. I mean, and that some of these questions are ones that are going to be answered and, and it leads into – I keep saying it's going to be an interesting offseason. I'm not necessarily exciting. It'll be interesting to see how how the Cardinals and other teams handle these very t- these very things. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players out there. Um, now, we talked a little bit. Let's go circle back a little bit. You know, Wainwright and Molina have been vocal. I don't know. Vocal sounds a little bit stronger than I want it to be, but um, about playing together next year, one place or another. You know, if they don't play in St. Louis you know, playing somewhere together. And as you said, maybe Atlanta as a package deal would work. I got to feel like you and I were talking about this before the show. If that's not set in stone, which I don't know that it is. I think that there's a possibility they could play other places. Um, and, and if Adam Wainwright, I think Adam Wainwright plays in St. Louis or plays in Atlanta. I just don't, I don't see Adam Wainwright going to the big city. Well, I mean, Atlanta's a big city, but, you know, he's from that area. Yeah. I don't yeah, see I know him in New York. I don't yeah. see him. I don't see him inflaming Cardinal Nation by going to the Cubs. Um, I don't see him necessarily wanting to go to another league and learning all those guys. I, you know, I feel like he wants to, at this stage of his career, there's a there's comfort factor in, in St. Louis and Atlanta are the, the two places that are probably have it. And, you know, Atlanta may have the edge because, as you said, they're a team that's on the, you know, much, much closer to winning a world series than it feels like the Cardinals are. Yeah. 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 When that, when that was brought up and, and when it came from a really good source in, in Dave O'Brien, I thought there's some, there's some legs to this, um, you know, and he keeps a home in Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, that, uh, have you thought anymore? I, I haven't thought more about Georgia this past week than I have in my 43 years. Hang on now. I'll get back over here now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the, uh, yeah, it, it, it I mean, it, there's, there's a pretty decent fit there, especially after they failed with some of the veteran pitchers they brought in uh, last off season, you know, Hamels will walk. He could fit that mm-hmm. role. You know, they have, uh, you know, King Felix is still there. We don't know what he has left, but yeah, they struggled with pitching, but off- offensively they were, 
they were a juggernaut. So, I mean, they're close and it, uh, it, it feels a need. And, uh, and I, I kind of wonder if that doesn't price him out of St. Louis. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know either. Okay. Felix didn't, I was, I was thinking, I didn't remember. I knew that Felix did signed with, with Atlanta, but I couldn't remember hearing yeah, anything. It, about early, it. early opt out too. If you remember whenever. Yeah. I guess that's, that's what it was. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, um, I don't know. I feel like with the contracts that Adam Wainwright has signed, if Adam Wainwright wants to come back to St. Louis, he'll come back to St. Louis. I think they'll sign him. Um, because I think they can sign him for a, a, uh, contract. Like even, even like he signed this year, $5 million base, five or $10 million in incentives, whatever it may be, because if he's not going to hit those incentives, I mean, it may be written in that it has to be a full season or these, these won't be prorated or some, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I just, you know, if he hits them, they're probably doing all right. So I see that. I, I really feel like that Wainwright could come back. I Molina worries me just because, you know, one taking a pay cut from $20 million down to even 10. Yeah. But maybe less. Cause I think it'd have to be less to come back to St. Louis is tough to do. Um, and again, if there's a pride factor involved, then it's like, you know, this team, you know, if, if other teams are offering him 10, he's not going back to the Cardinals for eight just because he likes the Cardinals. You know, if other teams are offering him seven to eight and the Cardinals offer him seven to eight, that might be enough to push, push it over. But, um, I, you know, if, if you were to ask me who was coming back next year, I'd say Wainwright and not Molina. I, th- I think that's kind of where I'm landing right now. Not that I don't want them both back. No. I do. Yeah. But that if, if, if I was just to, prognosticate um that'd be my pick for this year sure and that's that's interesting because i i uh i wonder well if you draw if if you went through needs the cardinals probably need both of them because Mm -hmm. they're gonna need a veteran catcher you know if you want to get a uh you know if you want to get a a uh you know future red jacket winner you know he's out there do you want to pay that for him not so certain you know, Wainwright, they are going to need rotation help. I mean, it's 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 been proven. You know, they have a ton of mm-hmm. arms, but some that may not be ready for prime time. So yeah. there's a fit there, and it's uh, it will be. I I I have kind kind of come to the conclusion that I'm not so certain that both can make it back and yeah. do some things. Um, cause I, I expect them to get somebody else. I expect them to get, to get an infielder. And as you can see on the market, guys are going to be available. I think they're going to improve somewhere. And I just don't know if, if what they're telling us that they're willing to spend to get three of them, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, e- even some guys to improve are going to cost you a little bit of money, even though there's going to be people out there and, uh, you know, you've got, one, maybe two potential holes in the in the infield, and it's just tough to see them both coming back yeah. and improving. I, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I gotta feel like as much as everybody loves Yadi or Molina, there is a faction of the front office that is probably really wanting to see what Andrew Kisner can oh, do. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, or you know, have a, a spot ready for Ivan Herrera. Um, and if you can get Kisner to be your starting guy, and you can say in, weeders back for yeah. two million 
you know, then you've got two catchers for, you know, a third of what Yachty would cost even after he's to discounted. And yeah, he's, it's not going to be as, you know, intuitive and there's going to be some rough things sure. and, and Kisner may struggle. But I think that there's a, there's a, a portion of the, 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 uh, the, the front office that's, to use your term from last week, to tear the bandaid off and just get, go with it. Sure. I know. I agree. And you know what? There's a couple points I want to make, and I think I've already forgotten one, but, <laughs> but there are a lot of really, really good baseball teams right now, almost all of them, that are using two catcher systems. Mm-hmm. And that, that says a lot to me. Now, my, my, my first point was going to be, there was skepticism of me and Kisner of how they handled it down the stretch. And I wonder if they didn't do that incorrectly. And because it didn't make any sense for him not to get any run at all. Because Mm -hmm. honestly, I felt like their offense moved pretty well when he was playing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's funny. Now, I haven't listened to the interview. I'm just reading reading some of the clips that that I've seen on Twitter. Tour Gould said that they believe that he may be a 130-game catcher right now. And the Cardinals are willing to, to, to roll with that and to find a second guy to go with him. Um, so obviously the plans are in place for, for a situation like that. But it was funny when you look at, when you look at what Tampa did, which we'll look at what LA did. Uh, you look at both the uh, championship series, both those teams utilize two catchers. And uh, I, I think that we've seen a situation to where Molina is better with more rest. So a lot of these things work. I think that a lot of this is uh, almost all of this is, is ego driven and you just wonder, you know, who has, it's obviously the power on this is the one who writes the checks, but, but uh, you know, who kind of, who flinches first is what kind of what I wonder what we're going to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I wrote about Kisner, the exit interview series that's going to start this week um and i that's the same thing i I mean i don't you can make the case we have some have on twitter yadier molina is (laughs) i don't know maybe it's overstating it to say that but yadier molina actively works against minor young catchers yeah that he thinks could take his job i mean he never had a problem with tony cruz he never had a problem with jason larue Um, those guys weren't going to take his job when Carson Kelly comes along, all of a sudden, you know, you know, Yachty wants another contract and he wants this and that, and he doesn't, they never let him play and blah, blah, blah. And, and Kelly wants to getting traded. I remember listening. I haven't listened very recently to the show, but the, the two birds on the bat with, um, with Benji Bellini around that time and Benji being all about, you know, well, that young catcher needs to, you know, he just needs to go back to the minors and learn his place, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I, and I'm not saying that Yachty necessarily thought that as well, but cause I think sometimes Benji likes to talk about for, for Yachty when maybe Yachty doesn't want him to. Um, but I do feel like there was some of that idea that, you know, this up and comer needs to, you know, I'm not ready to give up my job. And then, then Kelly gets traded, and then we saw it this year. You know, again, there were there were different situations because it was like a, within a week of Yachty coming off the disabled list versus having played a while. But the the one double header that he plays both games in was while Kisner was up, and the only possible option. And they didn't, you know, whereas when Kisner's back in the minors and Matt Weeders is your backup, then all of a sudden, you know, they split the time. Again, there's other factors. I know that, but it there's enough circumstantial evidence as it will that, you know, 
Yachty is not the guy. And I know that they, he helps them from what I understand from what I've heard, you know, he's really willing to work with the guys like in spring training and stuff like that. I just don't feel like he's necessarily that mentor type. That's going to say, okay, I'm willing to, you know, cut my playing time to let this guy play some and get, you know, I can help him through this way. He's never going to be the backup catcher. That is that veteran presence. Like, Weeders, he's always going to be the main guy or he's not playing yeah oh yeah i completely agree with that and uh you know it's almost one of those situations to where you know where we talk about kisner for 130 games i think if he comes back it's going to be molina 130 plus games Mm -hmm. and you know that's it's that's that's a tough situation and it you know it's funny there's times where i wonder if benji's speaking for or in spite of Molina's wishes, or Yachty's wishes mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, it's because I feel like there's some boistering, but you know, there's some posturing going on right now. And, uh, you know, and some of it's is misdirected, Yeah, you know, that so, so I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough situation because I want to have him back too, but I want there to be an exit plan. And I kind of want to, I don't want to see, I could almost see if, if Molina comes back that they trade Kisner. With, oh, with yeah. Herrera coming, and that's and that's one of those. I'm just like, I mean, how many of these guys are they going to give up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, you had Kelly, you had you had um, you had um, you have a Kisner, and you have Herrera. You know, there's a lot of young, good talent there. Now, I know Kelly struggled this year, yeah, for sure. Um, that, but that's you know, so we don't know necessarily if if that's the case, but boy, I, I, it just feels like the Cardinals could have done a lot with a little, if you want. And that's kind of their motto for this offseason, right? Then to do more with less. Well, they could have, if they'd had a catcher and that's making minimum wage, that's giving you league average or better at offense. And that's, that's why the Cardinals have been good in a while, you know, with the young players that they've had. Um, so I don't know. It seems a little bit, Seems a little bit weird. I mean, and I don't. I think that you're right, though. If if Yachty comes back, then you because it's going to probably be a two year deal. That's what he's looking for. You might as well go ahead and um and change and go ahead and, and wait for Herrera and, and and send Kisner somewhere. And you're right. You're you're missing out. At some point in time, those guys are going to burn you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing with fire. You, you mm-hmm. that's the word that I was going to use. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I agree. Um, you know, before before we transition away or whether we transition away, is there any part of you at all that is kind of slightly excited to see the team without Molina? And that sounds negative. I just, from an entertainment factor. Yeah. I don't know that I would say that I am excited. I think it would be intriguing. I think it would be interesting. Um, I'm not going to, necessarily complain if we get to see that i think it will also help us to really realize what we had in molina that's a great point that's a great point um but yeah i i think that yeah i don't know like excitement is probably not the right word but um intrigue maybe yeah yeah no that that makes that makes a ton of sense i because i wonder about that because i love molina you know and and i do feel like he's a game changer and you know that's kind of slips year by year but he's 38 i mean i I mean we understand the uh but there is a time to where you kind of wonder of we've seen decent results the last two years good results you could argue Mm -hmm. 
but they've been boring. And you just kind of wonder what could change that, that perception a little bit. Yeah. I mean, other than a 30 home run outfield bat, maybe. Well, you know, so. yes. Yes. That, that might help too. <laughs> um, unfortunately, they're not going to spend on that. And Mark Saxon this week had an article at The Athletic. If you are a subscriber, you probably read it. If not, I guess The Athletic's not a bad subscription to have. It's no. one of the only ones I do have, yeah. honestly. So, um, but he's got a, a write up of seven fairly cheap guys that they think the Cardinals could go after. Now, when he titles this, you know, value plays or that, that the Cardinals could go after, and then the first guy is Jock Peterson. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. How much value? I mean, obviously, Peterson is not necessarily going to drop top dollar, but it feels to me that even though he may have struggled a little bit this year, he's probably already out of their price range. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of things with Peterson, and you can kind of read, read it, Saxon does a great job on it, but I feel like just because he has very, he has platoon type splits, I don't think mm-hmm. Peterson's on the market looking for platoon type playing time or money. Now he's probably going to get it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this market's going to be, this is the owners are going to drive the, are going to drive the train on this this year for better or worse. But uh, I think there's a perception that he's going to take something to be a part-time player. And I'm not, I don't, I think that that's going to be more than the Cardinals are willing to spend. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. I think it would work really well. for. I agree. I agree. And, 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 And Saxon's point of, spending money on platoon players so that you get, you know, basically one good player for, you know, less than a good player costs is a, is a smart move. I mean, anytime, but especially in a time when you're trying to do salaries and pairing him with, you know, Vader, you know, makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if you, even if Peterson doesn't necessarily play center, which he could, I think, but you know, you could always move Carlson over on those days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but being how one hits lefties, one hits righties, you know, it would feel like that's a really good platoon. But but you're right. I mean, he's guys. He's coming off a he's coming off a World Series title. He's he's young, um, and he has played regularly. Although I don't know that he did this year. Um, I, you're right. I think he, he's definitely going to be looking for it now. Again, there's going to come down to. I think a lot of these guys are going to be looking for something now. That they're not gonna, they're gonna take something different in January or yeah. early February. Yeah, no, no, no. that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I that's goes without saying. That's why that market's mm-hmm. gonna be like molasses. You know, yeah. it's just uh, you know we keep thinking that somebody's gonna jump on it early, but I I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna see that because of, the, of all the uncertainties and everything. And I think a lot of the uncertainty is gonna come from when they're gonna make the decision on that designated hitter. Um, yeah, because that, that kind of changes the rosters. I feel like that's kind of sped up now. Um, you know, I read that, that trade rumors article this week, which, you know, not to get sidetracked, but, but I feel like that's probably in the for you know, in the forefront of the thinking of how we're going to establish our rosters. Um, it, it has to be. Yeah. Do you, you know, it's kind of funny though. I was thinking about this whenever we were uh, on here and, you know, I know Gould always points this out, but is a left-handed hitter that dominates right-handed pitching really a platoon player? <laughs> You know, because it's, you know, what is it? Five to one, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that is, I mean, it's the heavy side of the platoon. There's no doubt about it. Um, And you could, I mean, I'm sure an agent could argue that if, even if you do that, I'm, you know, getting regular play time, but you know, I mean that it's good to have somebody because when they do throw those 
the other arm out there, you know, to try to limit stuff, then you've got an option there. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that is a good point. Though. Well, and you know, in today's baseball, it probably more indicative of how, how often you're going to face that lefty out of the bullpen more than anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and talking about before we go a little bit farther down this list though, but you did put a point that I wanted to mention and it kind of ties back to, to what we're talking about earlier is with this market being the way it is, when do you expect if any time to see Wainwright and Molina make a decision? Do you think that's something that they get some offers pretty early and then they decide, you know, I'm going back to St. Louis or do you think this is something that drags out past Christmas and such? Wow, man. My gut feels like if they're going to come back, it'll be relatively quickly. Um, But I just, thinking it through, I could just see it being a while. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Knowing that they have basically that safety net. Um, I don't know why, while saying that, it wouldn't surprise me if you just see somebody overpay for Molina fast, knowing Mm -hmm. that he could always go back to St. Louis. You know, the other team thinking that they're just like, Hey, we got to yeah. get him because he may, his foot, one foot may be still be in St. Louis the rest of his career, you know, type situation. Uh, so I know that's kind of a roundabout way to answer. I really don't know. I, I feel like, you know, for reasons, just baseball generated reasons, not necessarily free agent or hot stove reasons. I feel like it's going to be slow just because we have so many things to figure out. You know, just like we talked about the DH, just about we talked about the possibility of the season. I think there's enough leaking out now that uh, they kind of think that, you know, on the low point, maybe 140 games. On the high point, maybe the full way. And they're going to kind of determine what the likelihood of having fans will be. And you know what? A lot of that may have to do with how the other professional sports look right now. You know, being yeah. football about having fans in the stands, um, you know, that that may play a factor in some stuff like this. They say it won't, but but they're obviously watching, you know, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I am dug in thinking that everything is going to going to happen slowly this offseason. Yeah, that's my kind of my feeling. I mean, the what is it? The owners meetings, no, the GM meetings got canceled. I mean, they're going to be virtual. The winter meetings are now going to be virtual. I got to feel like if there was even going to be any activity at those things, which there's not typically at the GM meetings, but you know, winter meetings, obviously it's where we had to focus. I got to feel like that inhibits it a bit. You know, the idea that you're going to have to keep bouncing around through zoom calls or um, you're not going to be able to be in person. Now, maybe not because there's been stories of the last few years that, you know, the GMs kind of stay hold up and text each other. And um, that's how things get made. But um you know, I, and maybe that is maybe the face to face doesn't matter as much anymore. But it's gonna gonna be an impact on on um, agents and things like that. So my my gut feeling, and you're right, that maybe those type of things maybe still where those decisions about next year get made. I don't know that we see any significant move until uh, maybe that winter meetings. But even then, I don't know. Maybe even after that. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's uh, even reading through Saxon's article, and you're you're kind of thinking, well, could you see the Cardinals re-signing Mil- Brad Miller right away, just to have mm-hmm. that left-handed back? Because that's obviously something they were looking forward to throughout, uh, you know, th- throughout a full season when they signed him, because that was pre-COVID. Right. So you right. wonder if that would happen. But then you're like, well, it, that may be a redundant player if you don't have a spot in the lineup every day for him, you know. So that that yeah, yeah, 
that kind of goes out, you know, out the window a little bit. Yeah, so I, I mean, think there's a lot of that. And they can't afford to sign a guy they can't use. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, and that's, uh, you know, I feel like, um, you know, I don't know if you could have the, I, I don't know if you could have a productive lineup having, you know, for two different reasons, basically having a Miller and a Carpenter, you know, the guys to play third, you know, right. that's, uh, that would be pretty tough. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, the, even those kind of type things. I'm sure every team is facing that kind of type of dilemma. Probably. Um, you know, keep going down uh, Saxon's list. You get Tommy LaStella, who I never give much thought to. Yeah. Um, he was a f- cub. I remember him being a cub that didn't want to report to Iowa, um, which that was a big issue and finally wound up, you know, kind of getting to stay for a while. I not real sure how that works. I mean, that was a long time ago too. So, but I mean, personality wise and things like that, does that fit? But, um, I can't, I mean, that's obviously not something that's going to move the needle, even if they bring him in. Um, I don't think, I mean, unless he's better than I think he is. Well, you know, he had a, he had a great year, maybe last two years in Oakland, but, uh, or I was one in Anaheim. I can't remember. Some of these guys. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, you're going to hear me say this a bunch on this list, but that's just kind of a redundant player to me. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to bring somebody in, Bring it, bring bring a bat. I mean, don't. Uh, I you, you could probably argue that that he, that he would help him, and maybe so. But uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not really sold on that move. I feel like they. I feel like you have enough guys that could that could kind of get close to that production in house already. Yeah. Next one's Kevin Pillar, and even Saxon says, you know, they got plenty of guys like Kevin Pillar on the team. I yeah, don't, agree. I don't see that this one though, was a little bit interesting to me, maybe just because of the history that I agree. Around it, yeah. is uh jerks and profile. Um, now you and I probably both remember, I know, I do you, I'm sure you do too, where profile was the, the profile for Oscar Tavares trade that never happened. Yeah. But everybody, the fans always wanted to happen yeah. because um, it just felt like that was going to work for both sides. Um, Profar's never quite been that guy. Um, but it, man, still just 27. That yeah. just blows my mind. Exactly. Uh, because he feels like he's been around forever. Um, that's a guy, I mean, again, he may be a one that everybody else is looking at too, but, um, I feel like that's a guy that the Cardinals could, could use, um, and would help with them. Yeah. I immediately looked at his defensive numbers to see what, mm-hmm. just kind of see what they were. You know, because he was a shortstop coming up, and I'm telling you, when he was coming through the Ranger system, he was one of the better players in the Texas League. He was a stud, and uh, and that was one of those where I always felt so sorry for him dealing with the injuries that he did. You know, he had Tommy John one year. You yeah. know, one of those situations where he could just never stay on the field. Well, that kind of makes and he you was blocked by Andrews too. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Because if you remember that, there was a lot of talk of moving Andrews mm-hmm. off the position or maybe looking to trade him. Because I remember when the Braves couldn't have a shortstop, there was a lot of talk that they would take Andrews back in a in a uh, in a heartbeat. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, one of those one of those deals. But uh, but yeah, when I looked at the age, it surprised me too. I was kind of doing the math, and I was thinking it seems like ten years ago I saw him in Tulsa, and heck, it may very well been of eight. Hey, man, yeah. You know, I was thinking it was something like that. And, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of intri- a little intrigue. I, uh, this is one that I immediately started looking now. I can't break down numbers defensively that well. Um, mm. you know, that one, I don't trust them. 
and not 100% trust them. You know, right. I, I appreciate right. them. Let's put it that way. But the because the metrics are still kind of iffy. Exactly. So I always kind of like to do the eye test, kind of got going back to O'Neill this year. I felt like last year Ozuna covered a ton of ground, but I felt like O'Neill really t- covered a ton of ground. Now that mm-hmm. could be two years removed from holiday. You know, and that that speaks more about holiday. But back to Profar, I thought, let me look at these a little bit. Let me see. Let me see what I think. Now, it bothers me that he played first base a little bit in Texas and even a little bit in San Diego because I wonder if the electric first step isn't what it used to be. But it may not be just due to the injuries. I don't know. But uh, I was looking and I was like, this would be an intriguing pickup. You know, I uh, – this is one that I could kind of sign on for, to be honest with you. I think that where you look at it and you're thinking, well, another infielder like this, do they really need it? I mean, is it that much better than Edmund? But this is one where, you know, a, a firm, former number one prospect who's still only 21, who hadn't really hit his power phase from 28 to 32, uh, there's a little bit of promise there. And I love switch hitters, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the fact that there's upside helps a lot. Um now, you know, yeah, he's not ever hit exactly what they thought he would, but if he did, he wouldn't be on this list. So, um, did, did the idea that maybe they could grab a hold of something, somebody on the way up rather than on the way down yeah. would be, yeah. would be nice. Um, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd be for that. I mean, maybe, and, and again, though, there could be a number of people that it puts them, puts him out of the price range, sure, but, uh, sure. I think, that's the kind of ballpark they need to be playing in. I agree. Um, and, Rich know, Hill. Here's the thing. Oh, go, ahead. go no, no, just one more thing on Profar too. Yeah. One thing that I think that we that we kind of overlook a little bit is our. They may not have anybody to lead off. I mean, I yeah. think they feel like Edmund may fit into that, but I don't know if he profiles out that well as the leadoff hitter. He because he does not does not walk that much. Um, so I wonder if that may play a factor as well. I don't know. And maybe, maybe lineup spots aren't what they used to be. I still value them highly. I don't know if everybody else does. Well, leadoff, I think is one that I think still does have its cachet, um, more than anything else, just because you do have to get people on. We've talked about that. You know, that was the whole idea of signing extra value, You put Fowler and Carpenter at the top of the lineup and you've got runners on for days. Never worked. But that was the theory. Yeah. Um, so I think it does. Uh, yeah, let's finish this list, run it down. Rich Hill, I don't see that being interesting besides the fact that Rich Hill, one, briefly was a Cardinal yeah. in retraining one year. Two, tends to get hurt. Um, you know, he got, I think he pitched, he pitched against the Cardinals with the Twins and then I think it was immediately hurt after that. Missed <laughs> a lot of this year anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, yeah. I, if you're not going to sign Wainwright, there's no reason to sign Rich Hill. Yeah, I agree, and I feel like that uh, that 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 Saxon put this on the list in for no other reason than the fact that whenever we feel like the Cardinals have enough pitching, they always bring a veteran on. You know, one yeah. of those type deals. That yeah. I kind of agree with that. And what he says, the signing makes sense only if Wainwright signs elsewhere. I think that that fits, but I, it would still surprise me even at that. Yeah, I think that they could find another guy, and, and you know that might fit the general same general description but have a little bit more but you know then again i thought rich hill was done you know five or six years ago no, i agree so who knows uh as Drupal cabrera um you know i don't again if they got him fine but i don't think it makes a lot of you know doesn't really make much difference i'm not sure if it makes them that much better yeah um 
you know, Saxon says that it, you know, if Edmund is, you know, going to be a super utility player, maybe then they could get this, get Cabrera. But um, yeah, I mean, he, I think that he's a guy that probably plans to play a little bit more. Yeah. Really, and I don't know that the Cardinals are going to want to do that. I felt like this has been his name has been linked to the Cardinals several times when they've had this type of opening. Um, mm-hmm. I still, I, I just don't see him going that route. I think that whoever they get is probably going to play quite a bit, and it may even be a non-tender guy, and he yeah. might, you know. But uh, I'm just not certain that they're going to spend money in 34, 35 year olds as much as I mean. I would love to see Brantley, but I think his age is going to is going to take him out of this. But and I feel like Cabrera's in the, that same boat. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. I don't I don't know that there's much point in them bringing in old older guys that, you know, unless they're Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those situations to where I feel like the left-handed bat probably gets talked about a lot and that will, will factor in, but you know, Jerko's going to be out there. You know, and yeah. I know that there may be a burnt bridge, but he had 30 home runs for you. You know, it's yeah. one of those things where a guy like that would help. I don't know why you need to go get an unfamiliar portion like that, you know, for what it's going to cost. Yeah. And I don't, you know, the thing with Jerko is, you know, they traded him to a place that he got a chance to play in the playoffs. You know, I mean, yeah. it wasn't that they dumped him on Kansas City or something like that. Sure. So uh, I don't know that he's negative. Uh, last one was Jonathan Shoup, uh, who, you know, seems to be a guy that, um, probably it's going to be also out of their price range to some degree. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. I agree with that. So. Well, it was yeah. funny. I, I kind of like scope because I remember his numbers in Baltimore were, were, were really good. And I was thinking, man, that'd be nice to have out of the second base spot, you know, one of those, but then you, you realize that it's out of Baltimore, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Where things were, were slightly inflated. I, when I look back on his number, I didn't know the splits or anything, but I thought, eh, you know where I, I think I like him more than what, you know, I should, and the price range is probably going to be too high, and you could fill that production somewhere else. Yeah, that would, that's probably true. And like I said, you know, we say that none of these things would move the needle, or many of them wouldn't, but there's a really, really strong chance that any move the Cardinals make this offseason isn't going to move the needle. Yeah. We've had this discussion last week of, you know, how are they going to get better? How are they going to, are they going to get better? How are they going to even sell this team next year? And, you know, I, and maybe, maybe we're kind of going to the extremes, you know, just because of the Colton Wong issue. And we're now we're thinking, man, they're not going to spend the time, you know, this off season. They're going to, you know, I don't know that they're going to go to that, that route. I think that they're going to try to bring in somebody. I think they're going to try to get better. They're just going to try to do it on a, a lesser payroll. And the good thing is for them is that everybody else is going to do the same thing. And that market is going to have, you know, nobody's going to be priced out of their market because people are throwing around crazy money. I don't think except for the, you know, now look, the Mets just got a new owner and he's very interested in making the Mets a contender quickly. Um, you know, maybe he overpays for some people and that freezes everything up again because then players start, you know, basing their asks on what their Mets are given. Um, I don't know. That may be something to watch. But, sure. And, and every, yeah. everybody on that list fit the same. You know, they were not extended or, you know, their contracts were extended and and yeah. that. And the other the other one is going to be the first of uh, December with the non-tenders. Those yeah. are the names that I would expect to see in St. Louis. You know, it's not going to be, you know, they're not going to break the bank on this. So, yeah. Um, 
speaking of the non-tenders, and, and maybe we'll probably do a show around that time, but there's been a lot of talk right now about John Brebbia being non-tendered, um, mainly because of the, you know, he's not going to pitch next year. Um, you think that's going to be the way that you're going to go that way and then maybe sign him to a, you know, like a minor league deal so that, that he can still rehab with them? Um I, I mean, for originally, I was like, man, Bribby has been too good for them to yeah. do that. But then when you think about the fact that he's not going to pitch till maybe September next year and on a cost cutting team, it's hard to see them paying him you know, that full value. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I kind of feel like, you know, as productive as he's been and his name it gets brought up as a starter, I think you may see that with Gant as well. Yeah. Um, you know, that's uh, I feel like those are two interesting names. And to be honest with you, I mean, if, if finances are that tight, but they have to go out and improve those moves make sense, mm-hmm. you know, and that's as much as it hurts. I mean, it, it bottom line, that's where, that's where we are, you know, that's yeah. what kind of stinks about it. Yeah. yeah the, um, Viva Alberto's had a, a right. I can't, I don't remember who wrote it. I'd have to, to look, but some idea, uh, maybe Ben, ben Godar actually that had an idea of, of who was going to be uh, cut um, and, or the ideas of, of that. And yeah, Gant was right on that list. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, uh, Brebbia. And then it was Gant, um, right there. Um, and that's, you know, of course, you know, we, we've talked about Gant to some degree and we don't know, you know, from last year, we kind of thought he'd be extended last or cut last year just because of the, yeah. the week off or week into the season. But, um, yep. And that's going to be, I think that's going to be one, especially both of those are going to get that idea of, man, you know, they're going cheap, but it's not necessarily just that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I thought we'd have a short one. Here we are at an hour anyway. That's so, um, you know, we can, uh, we can just set us, set a microphone in front of the two of us. We'll just keep rambling. <laughs> yep. we hit it. Um, I don't know when we'll do our next show. Uh, just because, you know, if things continue to stay quiet, there's not as much we don't want to, to, to discuss um, with the holidays as well coming up. Um, but so follow us on Twitter, follow the show on Twitter, Mimi Mutual, um, you know, subscribe to the show, all that kind of stuff. You'll you'll know when a new one comes out and we'll try to do it somewhat regularly. Um, no, we have we'll get some guests on. We'll do something uh, during the winter. Um, but until next time, that is Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. They just won't go away. <laughs>